Welcome to the Hard Light Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Wright, and I've spent the last 40 years studying the fulfillment of human potential, working on myself and coaching all sorts of folks on many different life paths to fulfill their potential and do things that they thought impossible. Along the way, I've learned there's a process based on responsibly looking at ourselves and expressing the truth of our experience to our highest vision. A science of developing greatness that isn't what corporate America, politicians, schools, and our parents tell us. That truth is the hard light. We are responsible for our lives and we can learn and grow instead of blaming and justifying. With this podcast, I'll talk with leaders who inspire us to celebrate the capacities and resilience of humanity. Leaders who inspire us to create and contribute to a world that works for everyone. Now, let's jump in with today's guest. The Hard Light Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Lions School of Transformational Business at Wright Graduate University. Wright Graduate University's applied business education develops the transformational leaders today's organizations need. Become a stronger, better you as a person and a business leader by learning more at wrightgrad.edu slash MBA. Welcome. I am Dr. Bob Wright, and I have had the honor to support and to work with uh, Richard Lyons over close to 30 years. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time, Dr. Bob. You know, and and in those 30 years, uh, he's grown a great deal and been very, very successful as a sales professional and in many different roles. But in particular, today, we want to talk about the idea that he has had for a book that he's writing along with me called Life as Sales. And so I would like to just turn it over to you, Rich, to start talking to people about Life as Sales and how you come to want to talk about that. Sure. Thanks, Dr. Bob. I think, uh, gosh, it was a long time ago where and it might have been on a pilgrimage on one of our, you know, pilgrimage trips that we took where the concept of life as sales kind of came to me. And I ended up registering that URL a long time ago, lifeassales.com and saying, I'm going to write a book someday about life as sales. And it you know, I had obviously learned a lot about selling and took a job um, to learn about selling, kind of stepped back after having my, you know, gotten my MBA uh, at Kellogg and taken a job as a director of sales and marketing to kind of step back, you know, based on your advice to really learn about selling. And part of that learning about selling was seeing we're always selling. We're selling all the time, you know. It doesn't have to be a product or a service or a quota-based, you know, sales job. But I was realizing, you know, raising two, you know, young daughters that I was selling them all the time on their potential, on what they could accomplish in this world, selling them on that. And then as I, you know, established and, and founded Lions Consulting Group, Lions CG, I was always selling people on ideas and selling people on their potential. And really working to maximize my potential and help other people maximize their potential as well. 
Well, and long before Dan Pink did to sell as human, you were saying this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That we're all we're all selling all the time. And you know, and trying to take away kind of that negative stigma that exists with a lot of people that, you know, sales is that used car sales person that's a sleazy person that's trying to sell you something you don't want versus this concept of selling, you know, who would say, you know, I'm selling you on your potential. I'm selling you on being the best you can be. I'm helping you maximize your unique gifts. That's selling as well. And that's not, you know, you know, the traditional viewpoint on sales. Not at all. As a matter of fact, you've spent a great deal of time refining your building, your ability to problem solve so you can help people problem solve, so you can help them do what's right for them. You're not trying to get them to do something that they don't want to do, which is the old view of sales. But what you're trying to do is to actually contribute to their life, help them solve a problem with whatever service you're offering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the important point you raised there, Dr. Bob, is if it's not right, it's not right for either of us. You know, can I help them? If I can't help them, maybe I know someone else that can help them. But it's not right for me to try to force my solution or my product on them if it's not right. Like, that's not the right thing to do. So I think that's very, very important point. And you know, and we've learned a lot of things. I, I learned the, you know, ISAP, ideal state action planning process, you know, from the right foundation from you, which is really digging in and understanding the present state and understanding their ideal state, you know, so we can look at pathways. And if I can fit in and be part of that pathway, that's a great thing. But if not, can I bring someone else to help them? Because the point is sales is service. Right. And can I be of service and create value? And it's something you do with people. So if you're working on one of these ideal state action plans to solve a problem or bring a team together, you may actually put up three different flip charts in the room, mightn't you? And on one of them, you'd say present state, another you put pathways and the other you'd put ideal state to help everybody think it through and analyze the problem in great depth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to your point, it's not about me being in front of someone and pitching them all the features and all the functionality that I can bring them. It's much more about understanding them and understanding where they are now, where they want to get to in the future, and then looking at, is there a solution we can come up with together um, to get from, you know, the present state to the ideal state? So, when you founded the Lions School of Transformational Business MBA, this was one of the really important elements for you, this sales as service approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there were a number of things. I mean, um, when I went through, you know, and got my MBA from Kellogg at Northwestern University, at the time, it was the number one business school in the world you know, which was great. And I learned a lot, but there was so much I learned after that in terms of social emotional intelligence and in terms of establishing rapport and all the things we're talking about that made me want to, you know, in partnership with the right graduate university, establish a different type of MBA program. 
where you would learn social emotional intelligence, when you were you would really understand how to establish a relationship with someone and establish rapport with someone, which is much different, you know, than what I learned, right? I, of course, I learned about finance and marketing and sales promotions and all of that. But this concept of understanding what I'm feeling, understanding what someone else is feeling, like we used to really say, put yourself in your customer's shoes. Can you really put yourself in your customer's shoes and understand what they're going through? It's not about me. It's about them. And if I can help them, then that's great. And if not, I need to say, I don't think I can help you, but maybe I can find someone else that can. So let's, you said life is sales. So we've got marriage, we've got parenting, uh, we've got friendships. Tell us about life as sales in all these different areas. Sure, sure. I mean, I think from a business perspective, you know, founding Lions Consulting Group and really making it a customer-focused organization, you know, we really made it sales-focused. We said customer first was our biggest core value. How do we put that customer first? How do I put ourselves in the customer's shoes and understand everything, every problem from their perspective. It's not about us, it's about the customer. So our processes, everything we did, we tried to put and paint in that perspective of the customer and what the customer wants. So if you take that business approach and then look at it in terms of, as I mentioned, my daughters and raising children, um, and especially in this day and age, raising daughters, I wanted them to understand they can do whatever they want, to not feel any limitations, to really maximize their potential. And so I was selling them all the time on their potential and what they can do. And don't be limited by what other people are telling you. And then even in my couple, you know, neither of us, my wife, Gertrude or I, neither of us, you know, both of our parents divorced. So neither of us grew up with this great example of partnering. I never saw conflict be, you know, come out positively. I never saw it resolved, right? So I had to work through a lot in terms of our potential as a couple and, and establish a new vision. And, you know, and my wife needed to sell me on it sometimes, and I need to sell her on it sometimes. Whoever has the highest vision, go with that person who has the hot hand. So, I think so one of you could actually be resisting the other. So life as sales might mean a little bit of conflict. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, if you would have asked me 30 years ago, I would say, you know, conflict is bad. It leads to divorce. Like why, you know, I never saw it resolved positively, but I've learned over time that conflict and even within sales, those objections, that conflict that a customer brings up objections, that's gold. If you're not getting objections, you're not getting the information. You're not digging deep enough. You're not finding out enough information. You know, so we used to joke, you know, from a sales perspective, you know, yes is yes, maybe is yes, and no means maybe. You know, so it means really to dig in deeper and really understand. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, younger salespeople, and I was guilty of it too, I just want to tell you about my product and about my service and tell you about all the features and functionality but I forget to tell you about the benefit. You care about the benefit, you don't care about the rest. You know, so that takes a lot more in terms of questioning and understanding that customer. Yeah, so that was one of your strengths was not just 
presenting the benefit, but helping them see the benefit to them. And um, your, your firm would, did not always have the lowest fees. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we, we really sold on value. So we would never be the lowest priced, right? But we were for sure committed to their success. We tried to be 100% referenceable and really focused on that customer success, you know, and doing the right thing and, and defining together what fair means. Because everyone has a different version of the concept of fair, right? So we'd have to work with that with our customers. And we used to say, our bigger competitors, you know, had budgets for lawsuits. We had budgets for accommodations. We wanted basically to have that relationship with that customer long-term, you know, and do the right thing. I, I also found that as a leader of your company, you really were a brilliant strategist. You would pick one powerful theme that would move your company forward every year. And then you would work that theme over and over again. And you'd often presented that theme with humor. Um, can you talk about a few of the uh, themes that you brought into the company to actually sell the entire company on a focused way of operating for the coming year? Sure. I think one of the most powerful themes that we ever came up with was one team. So, you know, one year we came up with this concept of being one team. And it was partially, you know, internally, we, we had all these different practice areas, right? Digital strategy, digital marketing, delivery, creative, uh, hosting and managed services and support. So not only did we have to be one team internally, work across these groups, no silos, but we had to be one team with our customer, you know, so it had both meanings and one team with our customer meant, you know, sometimes maybe we had to bend our processes a little bit to fit with the customer. So looking at that customer, how do we be one team with them? How do we fit in to their team and really be kind of, you know, supplemental to their team? If they wanted to take over managed services, of course, we would train them and let them take it over. If they wanted our help, of course, we were there to help them. But we were focused on them being successful as one team. So that one stuck and we used it forever. Um, and it stuck forever. We had other kind of, you know, and we would do videos and, and do some really, you know, campy and corny things. Uh, but one year <clears throat> we were, you know, dealing with the challenge of scope creep, right? And really looking at scope creep and how do we handle that with a customer and how do we make sure we're for people that aren't used to that term, what it means is if I bid a job at a hundred thousand dollars, I'm planning on doing A, B, C. But then the client says, Well, can we do a little A plus this and B plus this, C plus this? Next thing you know, I haven't changed the fee and I have I've just spent 10% of, of what I would have. Uh, made to give the client more. Exactly. And there's a fine line there because you don't want to, what I would say, nickel and dime, like, you know, charge your customer for every little change. But at the same time, if there's big changes, um, you know, you need to charge for that or you're going to lose money. So some of it was making sure up front we're doing better scoping projects, but some of it was also making sure from a project management perspective 
that we're holding to a scope, holding to requirements. And if there are changes, to take much more of a yes and approach. Yes, customer, of course we can do that. And are we okay with the impact it's going to have on budget and on timeline? Because you can't, I mean, something's got to give. You can't just add and add and add and keep the budget the same and the timeline the same. So we did this very funny thing. If you know the Ghostbusters movie, we came up with this concept of scope busters. You know, so we made this video and we're all dressed up like the Ghostbusters and it was called scope busters. So for that year, we were working on scope and keeping containing, you know, scope and doing a better job actually quoting our projects, but then also keeping them on time and on budget. You know, I've had to sell a couple things to you. So, you, you, you know, you started taking one of our leadership courses while you were still doing your MBA. And um, tell people a little bit, because you got this very sexy consulting job with the signing bonus and lots of money and lots of prestige. And you came in and you told us at your leadership group about that job. Tell everybody else what happened after that. Yeah, it wasn't exactly how I imagined it. You know, it was funny because when I was back, you know, I got my electrical engineering degree from the University of Michigan. And it was one of my uncles who worked at General Motors that said, you know, get because I was going to go to Michigan State and, and get my business degree. And he's like, why don't you get your engineering degree first? So I went to U of M and then worked for a few years and then get your MBA. So don't start there. You're good at math. Get your business, get your engineering degree, then work, get your experience, then get your MBA. So I, I did that. And I then I had this picture of this cherry consulting job I was going to get. So I had, if you think about that, that plan I had for four plus three plus two, um, nine years, right? That was a nine-year plan in my head to get this one job. So then I finally get this job. Here's my cherry job, consulting. This is what I think is it. And I've been planning on this for nine years, you know, before I started undergrad um, and before I had the job. So I get this job and I come into my leadership group and I'm very excited. And it was like 80% travel, you know, a lot of travel. And Dr. Bob's like, that's interesting. You know, I thought there was a couple of factors. One was I thought you wanted to have a family. Um, and I thought you were going to start a family. And do you want to be traveling that much? Number one. And number two was, don't you want to get experience in doing something instead of being a consultant and telling other people what to do when you don't have any experience? Because my first job after undergrad was a consulting job. So I had three years of experience consulting, but not really in industry or in a company really learning and growing. So I, <clears throat> I didn't really take that uh, too kindly. I was expecting a lot more excitement, uh, you know, for my announcement. Um, so it took, you know, took a little, you know, as Dr. Bob, you say, kindly uh, selling me on why don't you get some experience? Why don't you go into, you know, and work for a manufacturing company or work for a company and really get some hands-on experience before you start consulting and telling someone else, what they should do when you've never done it yourself. Now, that's a really thoughtful, articulate way of putting it. What I remember is, oh, gee, that's too bad. I thought you wanted to be a real businessman and not to be a fake businessman 
telling real businessmen what to do. I was just trying to frame it very nice. <laughs> well, but but to bragging on 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 Rich, what what uh, what what he did was he actually returned the signing bonus, and he put an ad in Crane's Chicago Business saying Northwestern MBA booth uh, uh, graduate. Kellogg. Looking for Kellogg, uh, 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 yeah, wrong school. Yeah, Kellogg graduate looking for um, opportunity to learn business. Yeah, and it, I mean, <clears throat> and that was probably, you know, one of my first sales jobs, you know, because I was looking to sell myself and find the right opportunity for me to learn more about business, you know, by placing that ad. So I had a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions, you know, and landed on a job for a company that was a smaller company under under a million dollars. Um, and it was a great opportunity for me to learn all types of the business. I I ran their inside sales team. I established an outside sales team. I I wrote, you know, a product. I developed an electricity and electronics trainer. I wrote the curriculum. You know, I. I actually establish our internal systems, you know, so I learned so much working for that company. And then we grew to be over a million dollars and, and actually got profitable before I left. You know, I think that uh, this is a, a good point because it, you really learned everything from uh, the enterprise-wide uh, program that you developed for them to the call center, to the rep network, to the products you got to develop, to the marketing plans, to the sales that you did for them. So you really learned business. And there was a point where you wanted to uh, actually learn more in leadership and the owner didn't want you to take a week off to go do this leadership training. And then- yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think it was, obviously we had a, a difference of, of opinion in terms of, you know, what was important. And I think by that time I had kind of, you know, as you and I had talked about it, maybe uh, learned what I was going to learn from that organization. So decided at that point, you know, I, I really valued my growth and development and learning, and I was going to take that week off and, and kind of end my employment, uh, you know, without burning any bridges, but end my employment there and then go look for my next job. And I think that should be our next um, podcast is Sounds the great. development of Rich Lyons as a salesman and some of this resistance that he had to go through just like every salesperson and all of us need to go through things to fulfill our potential. Great. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To learn more about how to fulfill your potential as a leader, visit us at hardlightshow.com. Take our transformation leadership quiz while you're at it.